Welcome back to the FAAA podcast. I'm Fraser Jack and I'm joined on the couch here at Congress in Adelaide by Conrad Travis. Welcome. Otherwise known as Fraser Jack number two. Yeah, we do get uh, mistaken <laughs> for each other. I've been called Conrad a few times. Don't you worry. You got mistaken for me the other day. Tall Kiwis, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. We look and sound similar. So uh, very, very good. Uh, thank you for coming along. Thank you for, for joining us on the couch. Uh, you have had a presentation recently uh, this morning. You've just got off stage. We're going to go through some of that presentation shortly. But before we do that, tell us a little bit about you and your journey so far. Yeah, great. Thanks, Fraser. So um, originally from New Zealand, trained to be a financial planner, uh, worked in uh, Wellington, Auckland, um, worked in Amsterdam for 12 months for ING Group. Um, always wanted to get back to advice. So I was supporting ING Australia, uh, became chief of staff of that business, um, and then ran the head office for ANZFP uh, during the period where we discovered FIFA no service issues, the Royal Commission, um, incidents, complaints, blah, blah, blah. Um, so built lots of systems and frameworks to deal with that um, and then got into the Align dealer group, so RIM3 FSP. That role got transported to IWF. So managed most of the shared services that support financial advisors at some point. Um, fell out of that in 2019 and I just saw a gap in the market for what I call operational compliance. So there's a lot of... Um, you know, the big four who do the kind of shiny PowerPoint piece and then leave. And then there's the um, compliance consultants who do like file reviews and rep- responsible managers type work. We don't really want to do that. We actually want to help licensees with their issues. So it could be policy, it could be process, training, uh, and we can also help identify those gaps as well. Yeah, fantastic. So you started essentially started your own business with a business partner? Yeah, so it's called Tangelo Advice Consulting, um, 50-50 with Celine Ertak. Um, we have five employees, five contractors. Uh, in the last four and a half years, I think we've supported around 30 to 40 licensees of all sizes, and they all have different requirements and different issues that we can support them with, because um, we've all got sort of 15 to 20 years advice experience. Yep, fantastic. And so, as, as you mentioned, the whole spectrum of licensees, anybody who's in that space. Yep. Yep. Uh, very good. Thank you. And of course, you I, I know you were part of the FAAA roadshow around the country yes. uh, last year. Um, you're back here on on the uh, on the agenda when it comes to content for the today's congress or this week's congress, I should say. Yep. Tell us a little bit about your presentation and sort of the four main topics that you covered. Yes, yeah, so, sure. So we we talked about the sort of practical compliance tips to drive efficiency. So yes, it's compliance, but it's more about that kind of how do we improve the process perspective. Um, so the first part that we spoke about was the new business process. Um, and Mel Drago, who works for me, has also got a business called Tango. She spoke to you know the the science involved in and dis- distilling processes, and looking at things like moments of truth, uh, looking at reducing duplication, actually process mapping stuff. So that's usually um, which is what a lot of people just don't, never get around to doing. Yes, yeah, and but- it's really important. And to do it properly, you need to kind of um, involve the whole team in it. Um, simply whiteboard it with swim lanes. Um, and then use, you can use tools like Lucid, Chart, or whatever it might be, but uh, you can get experts like us to help you as well with it. Um, because often the efficiencies that it'll generate will, will often generate the, will cover the costs. Yes. Because a lot of people are just so inefficient on, we call it the big three, new business, um, review process, and implementation of the big three. Um, and there's a lot of duplication between the planner, the power planner, and then the client, and how you can optimize that with things like um, reverse fact finds, really important. Yeah, yeah, and it's a very interesting process to go through because it feels like when you're going through that process that you're taking one step back to take, you know, two steps forward. Yeah. Uh, and there's a lot of the time, uh, but that's about getting the information out of people's heads, right? Yeah. Uh, actually onto a, a, a decent flow chart, was, as you said, with swim lanes. Yeah, and then we sort of say, 
don't have a PDF that sits in someone's um, drawer. Bring it to life for staff. So, you know, we, we talk about having one source of truth. There's a lot of, and I know that sounds like a simple issue, but in licensee land, you know this through your cyber collective work, um, there is no source of truth for a lot of licensees. So someone's got it saved in their email or their um, teams or you don't know what the current version is. So you must have a current version and say, here is our source of truth and then appoint kind of owners for those processes so they can be regularly reviewed. Yep, a regular review. Now, that's not something we uh, do all the time. No. We talk about it. It says regular reviews. Um, but yeah, you're right. Actually pulling it out and go, right, is this actually still the way we want to do it? Yep. So after that, we talked about um, sort of the general stuff that we talk about with in terms of um, creating a file that makes sense for advisors. So this is all about simply just making sure the file makes sense from a story point of view. So that anyone who wasn't even involved in compliance could look at it and go, do I understand why they've recommended what they've recommended? So from um, fact find to SOA um, to the file note, can I understand that story? And one really good tip is that we said, have someone in your practice challenge the advice to say like you haven't really established best interest here or you might want to consider some other strategies or different products. The client may be fine in their existing product, for example, um, relative that, to their objective. That's a fairly confronting uh, thing to, to put yourself through. Yes. Uh, peer reviews, I guess. It's very nice. It's easy to say. Uh, but actually when you put your work to a peer, tell us a little bit about how you see that working in real life. Does it yeah, look, cause a, lot a little of bit of older advisors who have more, I would say, a fixed mindset have, have a challenge around it? Um, but I would just encourage them to think differently about it because, um, you know, once you put that statement of advice out there, it's your risk around the advice that you're giving. And we know that if we gave five clients to five different advisors, you get five different types of advice, right? So it's actually about saying, okay, what what is, for this specific client, what is their actual objectives? And then how can you link strategies to those objectives? Um, And if you have someone in your office who can challenge you, it's actually, in my view, a positive thing not a negative thing. It actually creates a better outcome for the client. So if you can play on the the playground of what's best for the client, it might um, remove some of that kind of traditional objections. Yeah, and and producing a safe space to do it in. Yeah. 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 So, um, and then we got onto ongoing service, which I I just think as an industry, we don't talk about enough because from a process point of view, we talk a lot about new business, but most of these guys have 70 to 80% of their revenue as the ongoing book. So we talked about some of the tips and tricks around whether you've got um, clients on fixed-term agreements or ongoing service agreements, how to make sure that you complete the review within the 12-month period and not go over the 12-month. Things like making sure that if you're still on ongoing service agreements that you complete the FDS. If you're in fixed-term agreements, you must must make sure the fees turn off. I know it seems like really kind of in the weeds kind of stuff, but this is what advisors need because um, there's quite a bit of risk around how they do that. Um, I do think with the QAR... The difference between fixed term agreements and ongoing service agreements is not going to matter because in the future that we won't have FDSs. So one one tip would be like once that change does come through, and I hope it does, um, we will know the FDS part is coming through, but the rest of it's still to be determined. Is that um, you'd probably want to go back to ongoing service agreements, and that's because you have that 150 days after the uh, anniversary period to make sure the client re-signs, hopefully a single fee consent form. Although reading the, I don't know if you read the QAR stuff, there's there's the option there for product providers not to accept it, which I just cannot believe. It, it, yeah. it, it was unusual, isn't it? Because uh, that was the whole idea of it. We're all going to yeah. get on, the, on on one page. Uh, it reminds me of, you know, doctors and prescriptions. You know, you tend to get the same prescription from each doc, all the same, on the same sort of structure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we've ended up with everybody makes their own up. 
So then we just finished the presentation phrase with um, Peter Warren from Fenura. Uh, he talked, gave some tips around technology. Uh, the interesting thing about that is that it wasn't so much about technology because everyone's looking for this silver bullet solution. It's really around processes, systems, and data um, because the technology won't work if those things aren't in place. Um, I know you, we say that message and advisors know that's true, but sometimes they get busy with day-to-day work with clients and don't fix their own data and processes. Um, the other point that Pete spoke to was just being really clear on their due diligence process when they're choosing te- new technology partners. We still see a lot of people who buy technology from a guy <laughs> and um, it's not a recipe for success. You've got to do proper due, due diligence. Yeah, we, we're very much encouraging of that in the cyberspace as well, understanding the uh, the terms that you're all signing up for Yeah, uh, and understanding who's signing up for them. Is it you as the licensee? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So... That was kind of it. We kind of finished off with saying, you know, we're independent um, experts in our area. So obviously, Tangelo provides operational compliance support. Um, Fenura does the same for the technology stack perspective, and, and Tango's there as a matchmaking power planning service. So we feel like with advisors who, who may have needs in those areas, um, we're obviously not going to push a certain solution around a, a platform or a, a licensee. We'd love to work with more, more people and, and help them just get unstuck. Yep. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, tell me about the next year, 2024 is nearly upon us. Uh, what do you see some of the major issues coming through down, uh, down the chain? Well, look, I'm, I'm hoping that um, what the Minister said today will come true in, t- in terms of that roadmap giving us some certainty. Um, and once we know exactly when these things are going to hit, um, licensees are going to start to need to plan for the implementation of this. So we're thinking about um, you know, safe harbour steps. We're thinking about... What does fixed term, uh, sorry, fit for proper requirements for SOAs mean? Um, and then re- the removal of the FDSs. There's, there's things that we're going to need to do around policies, threads, change management to implement those changes. Um, I think the SOA change is really important and I hope it comes through as that sort of, whether it's a video or a, you know, a five-page five page summary of the advice, there's a huge efficiency one there. Um, but one thing I'd say to, to advisors out there listening is that it doesn't mean you don't have to make sure the file's you know, making sense. Yep. So this is just going to be the presentation layer on top. And just think about what you would want to get as a client. Like I don't know if you have any views on this, but like something which I, I call beautifully simple. So behind the scenes, this is the Apple thing, right? So it's behind the scenes, it's complex. But the thing that gives, is given to the client is, is really easy to understand. Um, yeah, yeah, does that make sense to you? Exactly right. And they yeah. walk and the client walks away going, I, I, I feel I know exactly what's going on. Yep. They've been able to articulate it back, you know, in that demonstration of understanding piece, for example. Yeah. Uh, and and the, the advisor turns around and goes, Yeah, yeah, you, you're exactly right. You've got that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So for example, if you're doing an alternative strategy for a client, um, the work around that may be complex and you might have a working paper on your file around that. But it could be a one liner on the um, whatever we're calling SOAs going forward. The summary of the advice to say, I've looked at this option, not appropriate for the following reasons, done. Yep. And I, and I like the idea of recording the conversation with the client because you, you advisors tend to be very good at explaining yep. things and to different people. And so if you've got somebody who's a complex in front of you, they, they get into the complexities of somebody wants that beautifully simple solution and, and, and explanation. They're very good at explaining. Um, and then sometimes they're very bad at recording the, the file note that says yeah. exactly what was said. So if you record them, uh, to me, if you record the conversation, the client uh, and the client repeats Just to that Just at that point, we had lots of questions in our session, uh, which was awesome. Um, but one comment one of the um, participants made was they'd moved to recording uh, the conversation with the client 
And, and she said it's actually making best interest easier, which I think is fascinating, right? So what that means is that we're seeing a lot of still templated file notes that have got the same kind of text in them and then not being able to understand the why of the advice. But when you do record the conversation, even though there is that risk around you can't unknow stuff, so the breach and incidents piece comes into that, it's actually helping with, um, oh, that's why you've recommended a recontribution strategy or whatever it might be. Yep. Um, because the auditor or whoever's looking at that can understand that. Yep. Does that make sense? Yeah, but but also the, in, I love the fact that uh, I remember writing many SOAs in the day. It was like, try and, try and include the client's words in it. Yeah. And it's like, well, this is a great way to include the client's words in it because they're in there going... Oh, this and that and the other, and if if there's any changes to be made, I just love it. It's a source. Of, it is the best source of truth of what actually happened in the in the file. Yep. Conrad, thanks so much for uh, stopping by the stand. No problems. Uh, how can people get hold of you? Find out more about what you're doing, or continue this conversation. Great. Yeah. So tangeloconsulting.com.au. Uh, also available on LinkedIn. Um, also, just give me a call. Yeah. Like we we love what we do. We really want to support this industry and be part of the future. Fantastic. Appreciate it. Thanks, mate.